0: Okay, this morning we'll just continue about image. And again, when we see these things, always with us as believers in Christ, one thing we always have to remember, and God wants us to remember, is that in his love, when he deals with issues in our life that we're not of, right? Because we're in Christ. Our image is we are in Christ. And that's how he sees us. But for us to experience it, okay, he deals with areas of our flesh. He's not against us, okay? The fact that he's doing it is that he's for us, okay? And he's dealing with these areas of our life. Like some of us may sense that it just seems like all this stuff is like, and we can think that maybe God's against us or the speaker is against us. Or in some sense, they're not loving us, and it seems like they're against us. Listen, honestly, God is for us because he gave us his son. And giving us his son, and his son dealing with every single thing about us, and giving us this brand new image, this brand new nature, for God to be against us, he would have to be against his son because his son is our life. Okay, so when he comes against areas, and sometimes in our growth, and remember, we all are in 2 Peter 3, verse 18, we're all growing in grace. We have to grow in grace, right? That always speaks of humility first. So in every area that God is humbling us, it's the fact that when he humbles us, he's not against us. He's preparing us to receive grace so so that we can make the adjustment to his love. Otherwise, we can't. So he is he is absolutely for us, but he will be against the flesh, the areas in our lives where we function apart from truly who we are in Christ. And that sometimes can be when God deals with those things, they can they can take a series of things, <laughs> and it just seems like wow, this thing and that thing. For instance, t- to be honest with you. Really, the place where God can deal with us, and he does, he will, in his love, be very faithful to deal with us. In our own, even prior to marriage, he will deal with us in areas of our life. A lot of those areas, and it's dealing, he always deals with us, but he never deals with us beyond where he's brought us in a capacity so that we can understand it. He won't do that. So in other words, God can't bless beyond capacity. We've said before, if you have an eight-ounce glass, you can't fit 16 ounces of water in it. It can only hold so much. Now, prior prior to us in areas of growth, say like in the past, maybe there were areas, and with all of us, there can be areas of ignorance, and It's not wrong to be ignorant, <laughs> because in the sense that none of us, in 1 Corinthians 8.2, none of us know anything like we ought. Now, that's not negative. That's not being said negative. It's just being said, 1 Corinthians 8.2 is, is, is uh, uh, we don't know anything like we ought to, it means we're still ignorant in areas because we're growing. It's not bad, okay? Ignorance is not bad, but when the light comes on to the will and says, this is truth, this is it, submit, obey, so his love, that light, that shining, can bring in his love. If we don't, at that point, that's what's bad. But even the bad behavior that we have in the flesh, is that who we are? It's not. It's not at all. And and so, again... Sometimes you will hear, you and I, and we all know this, we'll hear certain messages. And sometimes we think, maybe that was a little strong. You know, like maybe it seemed like even, for instance, like yesterday, did that seem kind of strong. <laughs> okay, and sometimes we think, if we think ignorantly or think apart from God or think beyond our capacity, we can think that that was seem like that was said very hard against certain people. The first thing that God has to do to bring truth in so that we can function in, our proper, uh, in a proper image based upon our capacity is he has to clear the atmosphere. And sometimes when you hear the preaching of the word, you're going to think like God. I mean that is very bad. Listen, if we don't think according to God, if we don't, and, and and that can happen with any of us in our growth, we 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 will be what? We the only way we can function is what? Under the prince and power of the air. It's the only way we can, you know. Now, maybe it's ignorance, okay? But but if we weren't functioning in Christ experientially and we were ignorant, what were we? Are we just neutral? uh, Is there any neutrality in Christianity? It just isn't, okay? And even in the sense that Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 30, he that is not with me is against me. Can that be an area of ignorance? Yeah. So Matthew 12, 30, he that is not with me is against me. But can I function in the flesh? And when I do, will I be against God? Even ignorantly or rebelliously, it's one of those two. But is he against me? He's not. He's not, you know, any more than you would be. Uh, Some of us have children. Those of us that don't, we have pets. You love those pets, but you're going to be firm with them in certain areas, aren't you? Does it mean you don't love them? (laughs) See, the whole principle of of love is, and we we can't determine who God is. He has to determine who he is because God is love. And we can't determine that. We have no way of doing that. So, for instance, maybe in the past, was there growth? Yes. But were there still areas of ignorance that we didn't even know about till the light came on? We're like, oh, wow. Okay, and then the light came on of the Word. We took that in. And then we go and start functioning in life. And then the flesh comes in. And then we go, oh, God, wait a minute, there, there's the light. <laughs> that's just proper image. That's just God giving us and revealing to us. And that's what light is. So in 1 John 1, 7, and it goes from fellowship, too. You, you, when it says fellowship in 1 John 1, 1 through 3, fellowship has to do with godly character. It honestly has not a thing to do with the flesh. And, so, and it's true, sometimes the preaching of the word, for instance, yesterday, I just want to let you know, that's what God was doing. Was he, we're all believers in Christ, is he against us? No, but can it be, how, how, is, how is spiritual battle? How, how is God, how is God towards, towards the enemy when he seeks to function and get his people, his that he's on, he owns and he's bought, to function under him. How do you think he's gonna be? How do you think he's gonna be? He's gonna be, he's gonna, he's not gonna be playing games with that. So for instance, do you remember in, in and it's like in one instant we we can see it? Just just to give you a principle. Because I because I know sometimes people think that, like, wow, that was he seemed that seemed like he was hard. And maybe that seemed like that was against that per person. I don't know, that seemed like it was a little hard. Well, just to let you know, <laughs> for instance, that was atmospheric because the atmosphere can form in people's minds through a thought force certain things that God wants to deal with and he's not against them. So for instance, he, look at what, and this can happen with any of us in our growth, this is what happens, okay? Because God is always, he's always dealing with us based upon who we are in Christ. But but for that, for us to experience it, does he have to get the flesh out of the way? Yes, he does. And is it because he's against us or he's for us? Strong discipline. Sometimes it takes strong. And the discipline, honestly, if For some, for some, God has to deal with a very strong will, some of us. Now, we all, in in our flesh, we have a fleshly will, don't we? We can submit to it. But in others, it's, it's still the same, but it can be stronger than others. And if you've got a heart, if you have a strong will, you have a greater resistance against the control of God in your life. Because maybe in areas you functioned and maybe in areas i functioned, I was so independent. And not even knowingly, ignorantly. Ignorantly. Or there were areas in that we know they were downright rebellious and stubborn. <laughs> and, and, and again, that goes into, you know, God requires obedience in 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. And if I have a stubborn, strong will and the atmosphere has, has just... You know, because are we in control of ourselves at any moment? We're, we're weak. We're weak people. And can we come under the influence of the atmosphere? Yes. Even in keeping us ignorant or keeping us in rebellion and stubbornness. But is it because God's against us? Is it because he doesn't love it? Is it love us? Is it because I don't love you? <laughs> if I don't function in love towards you, if I don't, Okay, me, me, then what would that be? Would that affect my own relationship with Christ? And it would. And and again, look at Matthew 16. Here's Matthew, the 16th chapter. And this is verse 13. This is what it says. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, and what's a disciple? Disciple. The disciple speaks of a relationship, okay? Now, disciple here, you know, we have to be careful about that word too, because some can 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 bring in kingdom teaching into into who we are in Christ. And I don't want to get into a big deal about that. But you, you know, this was kingdom. Matthew, Mark, and Luke was. The teaching that Jesus was teaching his Jewish disciples about his kingdom on earth. We are the church of a heavenly kingdom. There's a huge difference. And, then, and seriously, in the atmosphere in people's lives, those that are Christ, there's that battle going on right now. Constantly. No, that's not. There's no, no such thing as a rapture. There's no such thing We're all, the Bible's all one thing. This stuff is going on. This is things that, that you know, in, in the course of my day and sometimes of the week that I'm dealing with with people because they get caught up in, in, in these things, just like I was caught up in things that I was ignorant of and had to grow in. And, uh, but the fact of the matter is, okay, is that a disciple disciple does speak of a relationship, okay? That's a relationship with Christ who's gonna rule and reign with the Jews on millennial reign, okay? We have a much more intimate relationship with, with, with Christ. There's no question about it because we're married to him. In no place in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and even in parts in John, do you ever see the Jews married to Jesus Christ. He is their prophet, king, Right? And priest and their, their Messiah. The only place you see marriage, okay, with Christ is us. Now, the Jews, they will be, in this sense, married to God the Father, but it won't be intimacy like we have. But still, here, disciple speaks of a relationship, okay? And this is how we relate to each other, even in this, in the type, in a local assembly. So a discipleship is what? What is is a disciple? What's the Greek word? The Greek word is methetes. It means a learner. Okay? Now, if you have a learner, what must you have if you're going to learn? A teacher. That's why he was called rabbi. That's when Mary met him at the tomb, finally knew who he was. And in in John, the 20th chapter, and in verses uh, uh, 18, 19, 20, she said... 16, 17, when she recognized him, she said, "Rabbanai, my master, my teacher. Basically, she was saying, my all, right? So we come in the church, okay, and we have a much more intimate relationship, but we're learners. Why? Can I function in ignorance? Because I just don't know, because there's certain thoughts that have to come out to put God's thoughts in there. Yes, it's true. So a disciple is a Methetes, so he can function as a mantheno, a well-disciplined learner. Okay? And you've got to have a teacher. This is what Jesus is saying here in John, Matthew, the 16th chapter in the 13th verse. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? I, the Son of Man, am. That's a question. He's asking his disciples this. Okay? What someone said about me, do you know it to be truth based upon what I've taught you? Because that's what he was asking him there. Asking them here. And they said, some say you are John the Baptist. Some say Elias. Elijah actually and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets but he told them very clearly who he said who do, to the, who do they say I am the son of man now the difference between being the son of god is he was he the son of god and the son of man in one yes son of god is he is in, in virtue by who he is in deity always. Son of man, the winner and leader of a whole new race of people with a whole new image in Christ. Son of man, that's his humanity. And he said unto him, but whom do you say that I am? Because they're still, they were still ignorant in ways and still learning, my God, still learning, like us, right? We're still learning things. And like, oh my, we're learning. And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Messiah. The Son of the living God. Okay, He's he's saying two things. You're the anointed one who's going to come and did come and put on flesh. In John 14, But you're also the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you. Simon, son of John, Bar Jonah is son of John. Blessed are you. For what? Flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you. And we can function in that. Even when we hear the word of God, we can function in that. See? Flesh and blood, and really it should be blood and flesh, has not revealed it unto you, but you see the separation? There's a separation because, but here, if I understand the original languages, the mood, the tense, the case, and the voice, but is a contrast in conjunction. See the contrast? What God says versus your flesh. Can I function as a believer in either of those? In Romans 8, 9, we have the flesh in us. We're not of it. And there's going to be a series of discipline for certain individuals, okay? Because, and there's going to be an intensity. Why? because just like the growth rings in a tree, honestly, in, in certain trees, when they cut them down, they can tell the growth by the growth rings. <laughs> There's growth rings. And in some of them, you could see where there were 10 years, there was no growth. You just, you're just, a, you know, for instance, you're just a Christian. You know, you're just functioning in the way you think you should, but are you functioning? And in those areas, if it's not a proper image in Christ, because I haven't grown yet into what is really who I am in Christ, in Christ in me, will I function either in ignorance or rebellion? Well, that's what we'll do in the flesh. Both of those, that's what we'll do. And there can be 10 years of no growth but then in two weeks, in two weeks' time, there's woody fiber that will equal those 10 years. What is God doing in us? What is he doing in individuals here? And I see it. I'm just, I see it because I've seen it in my life. But as an under-shepherd, I can see what he's doing in people's lives here. Not that I'm some spiritual superman, <laughs> but I can see it and discern it. And what you think may be that God is against you and not loving you or that I am against you and not loving you is God making up because he so loves you and wants to redeem the time in Ephesians 5.16 where, where there are areas of ignorance and rebellion. Come on. Just, you know, just think about it. Just, just think about our growth. The fact that all of us are growing here is that based upon me? No. Your growth is not based upon me. My growth isn't based upon you, it's based upon Christ. But he had to have us here to cause that. That's why I say, and some people, when that happens, when, no, when that God's trying to redeem and doing it, working in, and he has, what does he have to work with with us? Think about it, our strong, stubborn wills at times. And we can function in ignorance and rebellion about that. We can. But it doesn't stop his love for us. It just doesn't. He loves us. Does. And he's jealous over us. And he wants us, with the jealousy of his love, to be consumed by it. But he does it. He drives out, in Deuteronomy 7, verse 22, he drives out the enemies little at a time. But then there's times... And, and lest the beasts of the field devour them, and that's pride. Okay, that's pride. And we know who influences, who's who's the daddy of all pride, all sin, all rebellion, all iniquity. Where we got that sin nature from? We can see that clearly. So there's this. He's making up, say for instance, in t- like two weeks, what we missed, because he's redeeming the time in our life. The woody, he's putting it in there, that woody fiber. And we may think, And when that happens, when that happens, that at that point, there's not necessary growth going forward. Okay? But he's preparing us with that woody fiber to go forward. And if we resist and don't understand it, what do you suppose we want to do? Go back. And I discerned it. Sometimes when things get tough here, what do we want to do? What would you want to do? You want to go back. But I would ask you this, when you go back, if you were, think about what God took you out of, what you were functioning in, some of the things, the troubles, the problems, all of that that were back there. And again, not that you weren't taught faithfully, I'm not saying that at all. but I am saying I'm, I'm saying that crystal clear. Because God, to do in all of us the things that needed to be done, did he need us to be here? Why else would we be here? Honestly. Sometimes we think, you know, when I first got back here, this is what I thought, honestly. You want to talk about some woody fiber right here? <laughs> when I first came back here, I thought, okay, well, you want to do a great work through me here. Knowing that it's still God, but you want to do this, this great work through this area, which I firmly believe with others that are very mature in the Lord, like Barbara and like Diane, who believe that God's going to do great things here. But I thought like, hmm, he's going to have me here and he's going to do these great things through me. And you know what he made clear to me immediately? No, I'm going to do great things in you. And I'm going to move out of you what doesn't belong in your experience and just move in Christ. You know what he's doing with us? And we think he's He's just, he's moving things out. We talked about it the other day. Someone's in the house, doesn't belong there. You bought a house. What are you still doing here? We've been bought by him in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What's the flesh still doing in here? Hey, no, no, out. I'm going to move in a proper image. That's what God's doing. He's not against you. He is not against you. He is for you and he's for me. Now, look at Peter. He makes this confession and this can be us. This can be us. Watch. He asked them, I know, and was, do you think that, that Jesus, God in Jesus won? Do you think he already knew the answers to these questions that he asked them? For instance, when he asked Adam, where are you? Do you think that God knew where he was? Do you think he wanted him to know where he was? Yes. Do you think God wants us to know where we are? Are we, are we functioning in the flesh, ignorant, you know, areas of rebellion? Some of us, have, some of us really have these, <laughs> these strong wills. I might be one of them. And, and, and two things we can do, I, I found with people like that, those that are Christ, those that he loves. Okay? We can be strong in love and who we are in Christ, but in the flesh, ooh, who's this? <laughs> yes. Those are the twins. That's right. Remember we said that, we studied that in Genesis 25, verse 26. Yeah, right? There were two twins and Rachel, Isaac's wife. There was Esau, that's the unsaved person. But then there was Jacob too, and Jacob was in there, and he was a man that was in Christ. Then There's no question about it, right? But did he still have the flesh in him, even though he wasn't of it, but could he function in it? Yeah, we have that in us. That's what God's dealing with, okay? He's not against us, he's for us. He's not against anybody here, he's for you, okay? He's for you. And God is training us and teaching us his nature. And God is love. And it takes God to reveal who he is to us. Love. It's not our thoughts and what we think. He has to separate those things. That's what he's doing. And if he can separate that in us, when we come together, we'll have fellowship. There won't be any foolishness of the flesh. Just won't be. But he's constantly training us and teaching us. Constantly. So did you think that, and I think, do any of us think that that Christ did not know what men were saying who he was? He did. He did. How do I know? Well, because in Psalm 139, verse 2, and Job uh, uh, 42, verse 2, he knows our thoughts from afar off. How far off did he know those things? Has he ever not known everything? Has God ever not known every single thing? He has has God not ever not known us in the son of his love? Not forcing his will on us, like the foolishness of some Calvinistic teaching. He, he assigned certain to go to hell and certain to go to heaven, regardless of their will or not. That <laughs> God would never do that, right? fact of the matter is, he knows all things. He knows all things. That is chapter, That is 1 John Three twenty. if my heart condemns me now where will the condemnation be in who i am in christ or did he take away all that condemnation in romans 8 verse 1 is there any condemnation for us in christ none but will god deal the flesh? deal with the flesh in us if we don't judge it in terms of realizing that's not who i am i confess it it's over then will he start dealing with it in love with the word to separate it from us? In Hebrews 4, 12, he will. I'm telling you, that is what's going on with individuals. And for some, it may be even more intense. I want you to know that. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I'm in prayer for you. I want you to know that I see it, not in judgment, not in accusation, not in condemnation but in the discernment and brokenness of God's love for you. That's a fact. Now, that can happen individually in us, but I will tell you where that will be brought out the most in marriage. I will make that crystal clear. So I can see things where God is working things out and working them in in individuals and in a marriage specifically. And those two things can seem like a heck of a lot that are going on. Okay? A heck of a lot. No one's told me anything. No one's shared anything with me. I promise you that is God is my t- no one's told me anything. I don't have a secret microphone. <laughs> I'm just telling you, this because of my growth and God dealing with me, and, and dealing with me, and having to break me, and brokenness means finally I'm done with my will apart from him. With that will that he's given me, that free will. I'm choosing to receive his love for me. And that means even in chastisement, by the way, I choose to receive it. I'm not going to run from it. I'm not going to resist it. I'm going to receive it because I know the hand of that chastisement is the hand of grace and unconditional love and amazing mercy without any question about it. So, but the question, the question that God would say he, he said, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, you're, you're the Christ, that you're the anointed, the Messiah, right? You're the one in, in, in humanity, perfect humanity, the son of the living God, deity in Christ, one. And Jesus answered and said unto him, you're blessed. You're blessed, uh, Simon the son of John, for blood and flesh is not revealed unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. For God to reveal things in us, he has to separate us from the flesh. The blood, that old edemic life, the nature that was passed on through the 23 reproductive chromosome genes of the male sperm from the blood. (laughs) And that's where we got out these old sin natures. He's got to separate that. He's separating how we think about him apart from him. Because I don't know who I am apart from a proper image in Christ. So he said, but, that's the separation. But, but, contrast, flesh, ignorance, flesh, rebellion. You don't believe it. Watch this. Now, is Peter, come on, is Peter born again? Well, he's an apostle here right now, isn't he? He's born again, isn't he? Right? Look what it says. But, my Father which is in heaven... And I say unto you that you, Peter, Petros, little stone, little stone, little stone. Peter is not the foundation stone for the Catholic Church. Okay, let me make that clear. Okay, that's the mistake that they make. Okay, you're not, that's the Greek word is you're a little stone. Peter, you're a little stone. That's why Peter, when he described the stones, were all these little stones in 1 Peter 2.5, right through the end, he's talking about that, because Christ taught him this. But he had to separate his thinking from the flesh. Because in that area, do I receive God's love? No, I think he's against me. I think this person's against me. Against me. Right? And I say unto you, you are Peter... Petras, little stone, and upon this rock, this massive ledge, this foundation stone, I will, look what it says, I will build my church. Was he talking about a building? That's why we teach again, you don't go to church, we are the church. Okay? You can cancel the word, having the word together, you can't cancel church, thank God, right? He doesn't cancel who we are. Oh God, thank you Lord. Just think of what I would do or you would do if we were in the flesh and we were in charge. I mean, who wouldn't we cancel? (laughs) In some form, who wouldn't we be against? But really, it's against God, isn't it? Against who we truly are in our proper image. Well, he said, I will build my church. That's future. Did he do it here? He said, no, that's future. Because he had to die, be crucified, die, go down and go up into the heavens, send the Holy Spirit down to form his church and from Acts, the second chapter on. Okay? I will build my church and the gates, all the powers of hell cannot be against it. And then he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What's that? Oh. What's the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? Remember how we've said that? Kingdom of God is... He's everywhere present. In Isaiah 57, verse 15, he inhabits eternity. Uh Go out in space, (laughs) and in any direction does it end. He inhabits eternity. Everything that has to do with time is on earth. That's what most Christians, you know, they want to get comfortable and settle down there, make everything just right. That's why Jesus came, to make us comfortable on this earth, in this worldly, satanic system. And no, he did not. (laughs) But everything else is eternity. He's preparing us for eternity. And he does it with his love and his grace and his mercy. So the difference between the kingdom of God, everywhere present, and the kingdom of heaven was the fulfillment of the prayer he told his disciples in kingdom age, pray, your, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's the Jews, earthly kingdom. That's the difference. Kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is his rule on earth. Is God ruling on the earth right now? Who's ruling? Satan is. That's why we're in this world, but we're not of it in John 17, verse 16. So he said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he said, and I will give unto you all you, Peter, you're a type of the Jews that will come presently, uh, you know, in the future. The keys of the kingdom of heaven. And he's talking about the preaching. There will be a lot of preaching going on. You, we will see that even during the tribulation period. Not to get into too much, but there's a huge difference here. Okay? And whatsoever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you will loose on earth will be loose in heaven. That has to do with how it's going to function. The Jews under Christ as their prophet, priest, and king, will there be rebellion during that time? There will be those that receive because he's going to give them the keys. And what do keys do? They unlock the door. They unlock the mysteries. They unlock God's understanding. And without getting too much into that right now, Okay, that's what that's saying in Matthew 16, verse 19. Then verse 20, look what it says. Then in verse 20, it says, Then charged he his disciples, they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Right? Why would he do that? Well, that's something only he could do at that time, right? From that time forth, because it wasn't for them to do that at that particular time. That's why. God has us do things at particular times, and there's other times when we should not be doing them, simply because in Psalm 31, verse 15, our times are in his hand. And his hand in 1 Peter 5, 6 is grace. And if he's not leading me to do something, be somewhere, go somewhere, do something, if it's not, it's not his grace. If it's not, then what is it? So from that time, in verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem. What happened there? Well, we'll see. (laughs) What happened to Jesus in Jerusalem? They crucified him. They put him through six different trials. They, They tortured him prior to the cross like no other human beings, literally. And then they killed him, murdered him on a cross. So, but he had to go to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes. And look what it says and be killed. What's killed? Murdered. They were murdering him, but what was God doing? Showing his love, revealing his love through the death. Jesus Christ. And look, and be raised again the third days. Then look at what look at what happened. And can we do this in the flesh? Come on. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. You gave me this teaching. You told me something about it. Excuse me? No. I thought that was too hard. I didn't think that was appropriate. Yeah, well, hmm? <laughs> what position are you in? What place do you occupy? Do you know? I thought that was a little rough. I thought that was a little hard. I thought, you know, I don't understand that. Maybe I don't even like that. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Have you and I ever rebuked God? How do we do that? We resist him. We counsel him with doubt, with anger. Seriously, when all he's trying to do is love us. But we think we understand what love is, but we're ignorant. We have to learn. And we learn what love is even in discipline. Loving chastisement, loving discipline, so that we can go forward. If he doesn't discipline us, we're not going forward. We're just not. None of us are. He that is not with me is against me, in Matthew twelve thirty, And he that gathers not scatters abroad. Could that be thoughts? Random thoughts of the flesh? No aim, no direction. What am I what am I doing here? Has anybody asked that? What am I doing here? You're doing here exactly what only God can do in you. You're not doing, you're receiving, just like me. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from you, Lord, this will not be unto you. Basically, all he was saying in ignorance is, Listen, uh uh-uh, you're not going to tell me what to do. I heard that. Who does he think he is? (laughs) Well, how about a flea? (laughs) How about a piece of dust just like the rest of us? Sweet Yeah. Okay. Be it far from you, Lord. This will not be unto you, because I know with based upon what you've given me what I should do with it. And what you gave me, which I didn't have. Now I'm going to use that and control you and tell you what to do. And that's not like the flesh in any of us. God, it's frightening. But he turned. He turned and said unto Peter, Get you behind me who? Who daddies the flesh? Who's causing the resistance in the flesh? The confusion. The lack of understanding. Doesn't doesn't seem like this person loves me. I'm going to tell you, this is where it's coming from. Get behind me who? Satan. He's looking right at Peter. God can look right at us and say, and that's what, part of what was going on yesterday, to clear the atmosphere for people's thinking, seriously. To prepare them to receive. Because we wrestle, what? Do we wrestle against blood and flesh in Ephesians six twelve? No. There's a battle going on sometimes that we're, we're in our capacity very ignorant of. Or we can be very rebellious about it. Very rebellious. Any of us, but that's in the flesh, right? God requires, in First First Samuel fifteen twenty-two. He doesn't require sacrifice; he requires obedience. Okay, obedience is the reality of a proper function and a proper image. I can do a lot of th- listen. Read First Corinthians thirteen. I can do give all my goods to feed the poor. I can, as a Christian, function and think like I'm being good. Like there's goodness in me and I'm going to be good and bless someone with a gift or do something, right? Can that be in the flesh? Well, read 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not saying that when we do good things here. I'm not, again, okay, I want to make that clear. Everything's for us, not against us. But can, and I can give my body to be burned. There are some of those. I, I saw it. Some of these cults. Resistance against the bad things—they light themselves on fire. Literally, you ever see those things happen? Yeah. I can get my body to be burned if I have not love. It profits me what? Nothing, because there's nothing good in the flesh. In Romans seven eighteen and John six sixty three, it doesn't profit us anything. There's no value in it. No profit means no value. It's empty. It's useless. In our own thoughts. And how we interpret, how we would even on our own interpret the word, the messages that we hear, what God is doing in our life, all of us. But he turned and said unto him, get behind me, Satan. Listen, you are an offense unto me. If I function in the flesh, what's that? That offends His love. In other words, it keeps his love from flowing in us. You are an offense unto me. That's why it says in Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have they that love your word, your law, your word. Nothing will cause them to stumble. Why? Because what is, what is how do we return his love? Because he loved us first, right? Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. 1 John 4.10, sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 4.19 of first John, we love because why? He first loved us and all you in Psalm 97 verse 10 all you that love God hate evil if I function in the flesh is that evil yes is it who I am no (laughs) no he's always dealing with us based upon who we are that's why the light comes because in 1 John 1 7 what is the light it's our true character so walk in the light walk in the obedience because you know what that light is always shining great love Great love for you. And that's Jesus. He was the light that came out of who God is in his own deity, as love. That's why love is God. No, God is love. <laughs> that's why we're children of the light in Ephesians 5.8 and 1 Thessalonians 5.5. 5. And we are loved, right? And what is our obedience? Why? What makes our obedience so necessary? It's just love returned unto him. It's this continual fellowship. And so as we begin to close this, look what he said. You are an offense unto me. Why? Because you savor, you desire through your own thoughts, not the things of God, but the things of men. That's right. Does the world even consider Christ? Could kill us. Could we do that in the flesh? Yes, that's right. We can. And, and he loves us so much. He's just bringing us back. And sometimes you may think it's so hard, yet you don't understand the person's will. And plus, also, you don't understand the way that God knows that individual and his love for them. Because he bought them. And he doesn't want them living to themselves with their own will as separate from them. And when I do, I think it's hard. I think, why wow, God, this person, just God, seems like God's against me. That's what, didn't Jacob say that in Genesis 42, verse 36? All these things are against me. Basically, when you, don't, when you think, honestly, when I think, honestly, truthfully, when I think that someone doesn't love me, it's really, I, I really don't think God loves me in that area. Because that's the area I struggle with privately. Because I'm measuring who I am and I'm measuring who God is based upon my own thoughts. And both come up short for any of us in the flesh. He said, you savor the things that be of God, not the things of men. Then Jesus said in verse 24, said unto his disciples, whose disciples were they? Were they their own? Are we our own when we come here to teach? Is it up to us to discern? Is it up to us to know what's for us and against us? (laughs) It's not. It's not. If any man will come after me, let him, what? Deny what? What's that? What am I going to deny? I'm in Christ. What what should I deny constantly? My flesh. My own will. My own will. Right? Let him deny himself, look it, and take up his cross. What does that mean for us today? The fact that the flesh is crucified, it's dead and gone as far as God's concerned in Romans 6, 1 through 6. And I constantly have to be obedient. That's constant submission to the reality of what Christ, who Christ is and what he's done and has accomplished on the cross in my own individuality. No one can do that for you. That's Galatians 6 verse verse 14. God forbid that I should glory. Where will we glory? In the flesh. In our own understanding. What we think this person is, that one is, this one is, and that one is. And if I think this person's against me, well, I'm going to withdraw You know, and then I'm going to get around others that I think are for me. Okay. Well, maybe the others that you're gathering around, God has used an individual to teach them (laughs) so that they could even gather around (laughs) you properly. Because, of course, we're all vessels that, that Christ pours his life into. So if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and what? Follow me. Does that speak of an obedient will? submitted will does for whosoever will save his life keep it for himself no no i'm gonna pick who i want to be with no because i think these people love me and this one doesn't understand me and this one doesn't get news for you that's ignorance i i honestly think so when people for instance when people don't think that i love them i don't think it's i don't think it's rebellion but it's just ignorance. It is. It's ignorance. And if you don't, and I don't, deal with ignorance in us, the only thing it can lead to is rebellion. Because if I think someone's against me, sooner or later, if I don't make that adjustment, right, through grace, through humility, then I'm going to fight that person inwardly with my thoughts. Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) Right? Can we all do that? Have we all done that? Yeah. And God has to separate us from that, and He does that with His love. For whosoever will save his life will lose it; save it to himself. But whosoever will lose his life—what? What did we lose? Thank God, that fleshly living, that unsubmitted will. Love comes in, and I resist it because maybe I'm ignorant. And I don't understand it. I don't understand this particular. I don't. Why is this person doing this? What? Listen. That's why it's so necessary as we close. This is why it's so necessary that when we come, we need to be so prepared to hear the word of God. Because a lot of it has to do, a lot of us coming and being in a proper place to receive is we haven't dealt with our own thought lives in certain areas where it's our own thoughts and we're struggling, we come here. And does that get in the way of us receiving? It does. This is what makes this so very necessary when we come to hear the word of God. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 11, it says, As you know how we exhorted, right? That's really edified. And sometimes that edification can be strong. But it's strong love coming against a strong will of resistance. As you know we, how we exhorted, to do what? to comfort (laughs) comfort there's no comfort in resistance there's no comfort in an unsubmitted will and charged every one of you as a father as a father God the father and we have spiritual fathers as a father does his children that you would walk worthy of God in other words that you would walk worthy of the value that Christ is in you and you in him there's no other value that you would walk worthy of God, who has called you unto his kingdom, he's ruling and reigning over you with his love, and glory, experiencing not only Christ's glory, but the fact that he in you is the measure of your glory in Colossians 1, verse 27, where he's leading you. Now listen, for this cause, whose cause? Who is cause? That's God. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, Why? Here's the cause of him being thankful to God. This is Paul saying, I'm thankful to you, God, for this very reason. What was the reason? That when you as individuals receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men. I'm not receiving that. That's against me. I don't understand that. Okay. Again, this is pinpoint. I just want to make it very clear in love. This is very, very clear. That when you received it, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually has a proper effect in your experience working in you that believe, that don't resist them, that don't function as an unbeliever. Can I function as an unbeliever like I'm not even saved? Yeah, in the flesh. Is that my proper image? My proper image. Is that your proper image? God is dealing with all of us in his love. There is no question about it. He loves every single one of us. And the only thing he's rejecting in us is the area of the flesh in us that rejects his love from flowing in. And that's it. Amen? Amen. So Father, thank you for the preciseness of your word, the preciseness of your counsel, the preciseness of your love. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.